Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. We'll read this as a golden text that we looked at a few weeks ago. Colossians chapter 1. And verse number 12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We noticed before that we have an inheritance and we are qualified. You are qualified. You've been made fit and ready. You don't have to do anything to qualify yourself. You, don't, you can't qualify yourself. Amen. God knew you couldn't qualify yourself. Me neither. And so he just qualified us on, on, on his own. On his own initiative. He qualified us, praise God. Made us fit, made us able, entitled us, entitled us to take part of the inheritance that he has provided for us. Amen? So we talked about five ways God has qualified us for our inheritance. Number one, he canceled our debt. Number two, he made us righteous. Number three, he recreated us with a special capacity of faith. Number four, he gave us authority over the devil. Number five, he gave us an arsenal of spiritual weapons with which to ward off any challenge from the enemy. So today we're going to be talking about the weapons of our warfare. We're going to be looking in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Go with, there, go with me there if you would. Amen. Ephesians chapter six. Now I'll say this, that uh, the weapons of our warfare are utilized when the enemy is, is coming against us in some way. Now, there are other things in the Bible that we must have working in our life in order to live a victorious life, and we employ those things, but, but these weapons of, of, of our warfare, the weapons of our, of our warfare that are identified in Ephesians chapter 6, there are six of them, these things are are especially designed for us to use when under attack. Now, like I said earlier, the devil knows he's under our feet. He knows it. Oh, boy, does he know it. He's painfully aware because when Jesus was raised from the dead, he made a show of him, Colossians says. He, he made a show of him openly, triumphing in uh, his victory over over the devil. He led him captive in a train of humiliation and defeat. And in all of his cohorts, the whole kingdom of darkness was subjugate, subjugated, put to shame. He knows he is defeated. He knows where he is. He is not on this level with you. You are not looking at him in the eye. He is under your feet. So all he has is trickery. All he has is deception. Let's look at Ephesians 10, or excuse me, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strengthened. This is the way this reads in the Greek. Be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, we know that wild, that word that's translated wiles there, W-I-L-E-S, means strategies and deceits. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, translated 
crafty ways, cunning ways, uh, trickery. The devil has to resort to schemes and trickery because he knows he has, he knows you are absolutely his master. If you don't know it, you need to know it. Because we have been made his masters. How so? We were we were united with Christ. We're one with Christ. Everything Christ has, we have. Everything he is, we are. Everything that's available to him, that's been given to him, has been given to us. You know, that shocked some of you a minute ago when I said everything he is. The, you do know that we are Christ. He's the head, we're the body. When you came walking in here today, you know, your head and your body came in together. And we didn't look at you and say, well, there's Sally's head. Good to see your head today, Sally. No, we, we said, good to see you, Sally. Because you're one per, your, your body is, is, is one. And the head and the body are, 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 uh, are uh, joined together inseparably. Well, he's the head, but we're the body. So we are, he is Christ at the Father's right hand. We are Christ, his body in the earth. So for every, everything he is, we are. Now you're not, you're not individually Christ because there's a man at the Father's right hand, the Lord Jesus Christ. But collectively, by some marvelous act that none of us can comprehend, he made us one with him. Glory to God. So everything he has, we have. Now the devil knows it, but he'll try to, to scheme. And, and let me say this, the devil is always scheming against you. He's always scheming. Now you might feel like everything's just rocking along real good right now and you're not having any trouble and there's just, your life is just roses and birds are singing and the butterflies are you know, flying around and everything's just great. But let me tell you, the devil is scheming. Uh, oh, pastor, don't make us afraid. I'm not making you afraid. I'm letting you know that he is so defeated. He is so inadequate. He has to try to trick you. That's all he has. And so that's all he can do. And since that's all he has and all he can do, that's all he does. He's a, he's a deceiver. Jesus said he is a liar and the father of lies. And so uh, we can expect him to scheme against us. But oh, thank God, God did not leave us without weapons to use against these schemes, these tricks of the devil. Amen? The next verse says, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against, the spirit, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, we've already read that he put all these principalities and powers and, and, and so forth under our feet. But you see, they're still available because their final judgment hasn't taken place yet. So they still exist in the spirit realm. And, in, and that's that heavenly realm that we're talking about. They still exist. And so even though they've been defeated and put under our feet, they still scheme. And they still try by deception to lure you away from the truth to get you to look at something that they're doing and, that, and, and a suggestion that they're giving and a feeling that they're giving and a circumstance to get your attention off of what the Bible says. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Therefore, in verse 13, take up 
the whole armor of God. Thank God we have armor. Take up the whole armor of God. Not, all, not just one piece of it, all of it. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. <laughs> withstand, stand and stand. I mentioned, I think last week, you know, when you go out into the battle, it's, it's the commander's job to encourage the troops to stand. Oh my God, take this hill, take this, this, do it. We're going into battle now, do it, get in there and fight. There's somebody there telling you, stop, don't hide, don't run back, run forward, run and get, get the job done. Now in a natural battlefield, if the odds are, are, are way against you know, the, uh, uh, the forces, then a, a wise commander will tell his troops to back up, retreat because we're gonna get slaughtered. But you see, uh, when you know that we have the heavy guns behind us, <laughs> you know, it's, we're, not just, we're not just storming the beach on our own. I mean, there's some artillery behind us. There's some power behind. We're taking our stand, right? We're standing and withstanding, but there are angels behind us. The host of heaven is behind us. The armies of God that we can't see. If you could just pull a curtain back and look, you'd see that, the, that all around us on every level, there are chariots of fire and angels of fire, and they're there to do our bidding when we're going forward and doing what God says and speaking his word. We have the backup we need. We have the backup we need. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Take unto you the whole armor of God. Stand therefore, let's look at the first one, having your waist girded with truth. Having your waist girded with truth. What does that mean? Well, Jesus said, you're to the, he was talking to the Father, and he said, your word is truth. The word is the truth. Amen. And in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Jesus and the Word always agree because they're one and the same. But you see, the Word, what, do, what does that mean to gird your waist? In, in, the, in biblical times, it's talking about putting on, as it were, a belt. But, you know, today we have, you know, small belts, you know, usually. But, you know, if you can think of Q over here and his big old, you know, whatever that belt that he has. What is that anyway? You don't have it anymore. What, did you lose it? You didn't lose it. It's a long story. Okay. <laughs> Somebody else has that belt, I'm guessing. But anyway... They're, they're, you know, if you've seen the wrestlers, they have these big belts. Well, this is this this girdle that they put on. They 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 uh, they cinched this up, and it held their core in, gave strength to their core, so that they could stand strong and and, and persevere in battle. Well, that's what the Word of God is supposed to do for us and does for us. Is it is it establishes our spiritual core? Now, if you are if you're going to, if you're not going to get serious about the Word of God, I'm talking about being serious, hungry, and living in the Word of God. If you're not going to get serious about the Word of God, to start with, right off the, right off the bat, right out of the gate, the devil's going to beat you up. He's going to control and dominate your life. But if you'll get the Word and establish the Word on the inside of you, Oh, glory to God. It'll provide a foundation for you that will carry you right on into the gates of glory. 
Amen. I mean, it'll strengthen you and you'll feel the strength of it. And see, when I, you've heard my testimony, when I first got back into fellowship with the Lord, I, I guess I was so desperate. And I pity, I, I pity people who haven't come to a place of desperation in Christ. I call it a place of spiritual crisis where, where you come face to face and you realize that you don't have the answer. And only God, only God can provide. If God doesn't come through, you have to make a decision which way you're going to live. And see, I, 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 I'd been raised in church. I knew doctrine. I knew biblical text. And as a child, I, I memorized my memory verse. But I never read my Bible at home. Maybe if somebody was really promoting that in church, I might do that for two or three days. Probably not even two or three. But I never, I never studied the Bible. I never got into the Bible. I just heard preaching, so I heard some Bible. But it, I, it was never something that, that I felt like I needed to actually make part of my life. And I was backslidden as a teenager, a young teenager. And I stayed backslidden for about five or six years. And uh, the last couple of years of of that uh, wandering in darkness, I had so, I was so confused. You know, I was was part of the drug culture. I was part of, I belonged to a, a, a socialist political party. And I was a real foot soldier for this political, this socialist party. And, uh, and I, was, I was reading Eastern mysticism. I mean, my mind was so mixed up. I, had, I was so confused because I, I, when I started reading the Bible in that little motel room in Brooksville, Florida, I didn't go to the Bible for answers. I, my purpose when I opened my Bible and started reading there when I was working down there and just you know got away from everybody, God, I was away from all my friends and all of that, I decided I was going to prove that the Bible was not true. And I was once and for all, like that old song, you know, what's her name, Missy somebody in, in the Pacific, that old movie, you know, Hawaii, I'm going to watch that man right out of my hair. Some of your old timers know that song, going to watch that man. Huh? South Pacific. I was going to wash Jesus and religion out of my hair once and for all. That was my point. And so I went in there just sure that I could prove the Bible wasn't true. He who sat in the heavens was laughing, laughing, laughing at me. Because I'm telling you what, I started in Matthew and I discovered Jesus. Glory to God. I found somebody so marvelous and so amazing. I, I just, it just, it just, it just started flooding me. And I knew this. I knew that if, if I was going to survive, because I had so many, I had so much conf- confusion in my mind. And I didn't just change overnight. It wasn't like a, a one day thing. As, as Jesus began to reveal himself to me, uh, very, pretty quickly, I, I got back into fellowship with the Lord, but I didn't lay off. I didn't lay aside every one of those weights right away. But one thing I did is I hungered for the Word. I, I, I knew that, that since God was revealing Himself like He was, I knew that the, that the Word of God was the truth. 
and that everything else I had been trying to, to complicate my life with and mix myself up with, all of that had to be washed out. I had to lay hold of the truth, the truth, the truth. And so I would feed on the word all the time. I mean, my wife can tell you, I, care. I didn't go anywhere without a pocket New Testament. I didn't go to the grocery store. I didn't go to the gas station. I didn't go anywhere without my Bible. I used to say this. I said, I'd have rather left house in the morning without my pants than without my Bible. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I read it at work. The, work. the job that I worked uh, in at that time at the phone company, I hadn't started doing the PBXs where, that I've told you about where I worked outside the main office and businesses. I was still wa- working in the big big office, you know, with all the switch gear. And we had three breaks a day, two two 15-minute breaks and a 45-minute lunch break. And so we went to work at 7.30. At 9.30, we had a 15-minute break. At 2.30, we had a 15-minute break. And then we had 45 minutes, and it was around, I think, 12 to 12.45, if I remember right. And we had a little break room, you know, because during, you know, 15 minutes, you just take a little break, and they had a coffee machine, you know, and that drip coffee. Remember the drip coffee, you know? The, uh, not drip, but the, you know, those little white filters, you know, I guess it was drip coffee, you know. And uh, I would go in that break room and all the other guys would play cards for 15 minutes. I'd sit over on, you know, in the corner of the room just reading my Bible. And at lunchtime, I brought my lunch. Most of them went out to eat, you know, someplace to a sandwich shop. But, you know, my, we had, you know, we were married and we had a, a small child, a two-year-old, you know, and we weren't where we could just spend money, you know, all the time. So I carried my lunch and I would, I, for 45 minutes, I'd, I'd eat my lunch real quick and I'd read the Bible. And then at, at 2.30 at break time, I'd go back in the break room and I'd either, I'd either sit in there and read my Bible or I'd go sit on the steps outside and read my Bible. I read my Bible. I took Bible verses and I typed them on a typewriter and taped them to the switchgear frame that I was working on, the wiring stuff, you know, the wiring apparatus. And I would, and I would tape it up there so I'm just, just so that every few minutes I'd look up and I'd look at some scriptures that I, that I had been feeding on. I, the, the Word of God was everything. I put, I put the word in me and I still get up every morning and put the word in me. It's something that I love. I have to have it. I'm telling you, it has, it has cinched up, established the core in me. And, I've, and I, I tell you what, I've never forgotten how precious the word of God was. It still is as precious today as it ever was. And that provides, that provides an, an undergirding. It's the foundation for your walk. So well, that doesn't sound like much of a weapon. It is absolutely a weapon. If you're not employing that weapon, you're getting your rear end beat. You're getting your rear end kicked right now. If you're not, if you're not putting the word of God into you. And so I put it in and put it in and put it in. I still put it in. Amen. Hallelujah. The word must become your lifeline, must become your very life, your core, your sustenance. It provides everything. Hallelujah. That's the first one. He said, take up, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Notice, having girded. This is a weapon you need to already have in place. Before the end, you say, well, I'm already under attack. Well, you can still get started. You have to get started somewhere. You have to put the Word of God first place in your life. And if you haven't yet, get started. Because the, the attack is going to come. So well, I'm already under attack. You can overcome. You're at a disadvantage, so get started. Get the Word in. Get the Word in. Get the Word in. Amen. 
The devil comes with a lot of different kinds of attacks. He comes with, with depression and fear and anxiety and sickness and disease, but he also comes with, with uh, twisted doctrine, doctrines of demons, ideas and thoughts, everything that comes into your mind. When you've, when you've girded yourself with truth, every thought that comes into your mind, you judge that against the word and say, no, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. Amen. Don't be gullible. I see too many gullible Christians. They hear something, they go, oh, that sounds great. I was in a meeting not too long ago. And I'm sitting there in church. And, 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 and the preacher was preaching. And he made a statement from, from a, he used a particular text. And, he, and he, he made a statement from that verse that was, he applied it in a way that the verse, there was nothing in that verse about that. And I, I happened to be seating where I could see kind of on the side that I kind of could see the expression. And whenever he made this application, all over I heard people go, wow. And I heard people say, I never saw that. I thought to myself, well, of course you never saw that. It's not there. <laughs> That's not what that Bible verse says. It's not even, it's not even, even remotely. Now, you, well, you, just, you weren't open. No, I believed in the, in the premise, the basic fundamental truth he was preaching. I believed in but I don't believe in torturing the word of God to extract some, some meaning out of it that's not there to help me when there are so many proof scriptures that I can go to that are just clear. Well, the Bible, putting the word in you will protect you. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. Having put on the next one is the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, glory to God. I do remember those early days. I read my Bible. I mean, I read it and read it and read it. I read it before, well, I didn't read it before I went to work. I read it all day because I got up late and was out the door in 20 minutes, you know. But I I read it, you know, I, I read it at work. I posted it. When I come home in the evening, that's why I read my Bible. I read my Bible. I read my Bible. And, and then I read other good material. And I remember early on, very early on, in, in I read Kenneth Hagin had, still has, the ministry has, a big blue uh, book, and it was called uh, Bible Faith Study Course. And I went and pulled it off my shelf. I still have that original copy. And, you know, all the ink, not the ink, all the glue is dried up on the, on the binding. All the pages are out, and I've scribbled all over it. But I still have it, and I paid $5 for it. You know where I bought it? Agape Christian Book Center. Do you know where that was? It was 3635 St. John's Avenue. You know how I know that? Because it's stamped in that book. I saw it yesterday. I saw it last night. <laughs> but I, I remember reading in that, in that book seven steps to the highest kind of faith. And one of those steps was Know your righteousness in Christ. Know what it means. And, and I begin to read about my righteousness. Oh, hallelujah, that he made me righteous. That God made Jesus to be sin for me. That I could be made the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I found out that righteousness was a gift. I found out that righteousness meant right standing with God. I always thought righteousness and holiness were the same thing. They're not. They're similar, but they're not. Righteousness is right standing. 
Righteousness is a positional thing. When we were justified through our faith in Christ Jesus, the word just in the older King James, just means righteous. When we were justified, we were made righteous through our faith in Christ. What does that mean? That means I have, I can come into God's presence and you can too. I can come into God's presence as though sin never existed. I have no history of sin. Why? Because he said your sins, I will forget. Your your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. So when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Well, when he does, he forgets it, it's gone. Well, the devil will always try to remind you where you miss it. And remember, James said, we all stumble. The apostle, James, the Lord Jesus' half-brother, in his epistle to the church, he said, for we all stumble in many things. Don't sit there and act like you never make a mistake and you never sin, you never stumble, all of us do. And the devil will always try to use that against you. So in battle, he will bring up where you've missed it. He, and, and, and some people have been raised with an inferiority complex just through whatever in, the, in their upbringing, their childhood, and their, maybe, their, maybe their family or maybe at school or maybe something and, and that, that's caused them to think little of themselves. That, that's, that's a lack of understanding who you are in Christ. When you know that you've been born again, that you've been recreated in union with Christ and that you have become the very righteousness of God, then we come boldly, like Hebrew says, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and help in time of need. When you have a need, whenever you look like, you feel like you're not measuring up, that's the time to come boldly because you have a righteousness that's indisputable, that's without challenge. The devil can't challenge it. He'll try to, but he can't change it. He can't affect your righteousness because it's something God did. Hallelujah. See, in order to, to, to win your battles against the devil, you're going to have to assert your righteousness. What do I mean by that? I mean, you're going to have to say, devil, listen, this, I'm not taking this because I know who I am. I am, a, I am God's very own child, his own son. He's my father. I have access before the throne of grace. I, I, you can't put anything on me because I'm one with him. Glory to God. I'm righteous in Christ. You have to assert that in your walk. Oh, hallelujah. It's powerful. You say, well, I, I, these things don't by themselves, at least they add up. <laughs> Amen. The breastplate of righteousness. Stay in fellowship with the Father. Stay in fellowship with Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Whew, hallelujah. This place of righteousness is not by merit or by effort. It's not a a result of our effort. It's not a result of our our merit. It's by God's grace. Like I said, it's the ability to come boldly into God's presence without any shame or sense of condemnation or inferiority at all. Oh, glory to God. I I tell you what, that's one truth that so revolutionized my life. Hallelujah. Let's go on to the next one. Praise God. 
having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, what are shoes for? What are feet for? They're for walking. We need to walk around prepared with the gospel. We We need to have our daily walk prepared with the gospel. Now, how do you do that? Well, feeding on it. I've already talked about that. Feeding on it to establish your core, yes, but feeding on it so that you know what to say to people. See, when, you're, when you have the gospel established and you're feeding on it regularly, amen, you, if you put it in your heart daily, your words will be with grace, seasoned with salt, and you'll know how to answer each person about your faith in Christ because it's not something you have to quickly go back and say, excuse me just a minute, let me go get in my car and read my Bible for a minute because you read it that morning. You read it that afternoon. It's alive on the inside of you and your feet are prepared. Everywhere you go, you're prepared. Somebody has a question, you have an opportunity to speak, you're prepared to speak. The Bible says that, that, that we need to be ready to give an answer to every man who asks. Well, what the, how, how do you do that? You prepare for it. You prepare for it. Amen. And so our walk, our walk is cleansed. Our walk is holy. Our walk is effective for Christ. Amen. You'll be wise to the devil's tricks and wise to be able to answer him too because the devil sometimes will throw some questions at you. He'll try to trip you up. But, you, but when, you have, when you're prepared with the gospel of peace. You've got it on the inside of it. Well, every time the enemy comes up with something, you can answer that. You can answer that. You can answer that. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm prepared. Are you prepared? Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Above all, take the shield of faith. Above all. You think that's important? Above all, take the shield of faith. Now, we use our faith in a lot of different ways. We use our faith to when we go to God in prayer because we are to pray in faith. If we ask anything according to his will and we pray in faith, then we know we have the answer. Isn't that right? So faith is employed when we pray. But faith is also employed in our, in our doing. Whenever the enemy comes against us, we throw up that shield of faith. That, that shield says, I believe God. I have determined to believe God. And, and the, you know, the devil's uh, attacks, are des- they're described here as, as fiery darts. If you can think of an arrow with a, you know, a flaming arrow that's some, got some type of an accelerant, you know, that's lighted and it's, and it's flaming. When you throw up that shield of faith, well, where does that come? From that girdle. Faith comes by hearing. Amen. By, by putting on and shodding your feet with the prepper. All of this goes together. It's all a, 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 a composite uh, armor that we put on. And when that, those fire, the, I'm gonna tell you what, the devil can, he'll try to sting you. There are some attacks that come sometimes that are stinging. I mean, they're, they're dangerous on their, on their own. But you put up that shield of faith. It's got a water wall on it. When, they didn't, when that fiery dart hits it, it gets, 
just fizzles out, glory to God. And the only thing left is the smoke to remind you of the devil's defeat, that he's a liar. He was a liar when he started. When he came against you with this thing, he was lying. He's lying all through it. And the only thing you have is the smoke to remind you that he is defeated and he's going where there's smoke, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. That, that, that shield of faith, with it you will quench. Amen. Extinguish. And then the helmet of salvation. We're still back to the same thing. The helmet of salvation. The renewing of your mind with the knowledge of your redemption. It causes your soul and your mind to be anchored in the hope that's set before you. Your ultimate reward and destiny in Christ. When you know, I've I, I said this before, I grew up and I was a perpetual backslider. As I, when I was young, I, you know, I'd get in fellowship with the Lord and I'd backslide and I'd come back and I'd backslide and I'd come back and I'd backslide. And, uh, you know, that, that it made me fearful. And it's one reason why I just gave up. I just didn't think I could do it. A lot of people are like that today. There are a lot of people in our community that once knew Jesus, but they no longer walk with him because they tried it and they couldn't do it because they weren't, they weren't being strengthened in the Lord. They were trying to do it on their own. Amen. But when you fill yourself with the knowledge of the word, I talk about this. This is just an illustration. I talk about this sometimes. When, when my children were born, for instance, this is, this is talking about uh, the helmet of salvation. When my children were born, now when, when my oldest son, Steve, was born, I was not in fellowship with the Lord. But when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, he was a little over two years old, and around two years old, and shortly... You know, uh, as I began to find out who I was in Christ, I, I, I took him to church and, and had him dedicated. Angela and I had him dedicated. And uh, even before I did that, that would, to me, that was just a ceremony made for nice pictures. The grandparents liked it. But for me, that's, that's not what did it. It wasn't the preacher praying over me and over my child. I had, de- I had determined that my son would live all his days from that day forward. He would always know God. He would be born again when he reached the age to do that. He would be filled with the Holy Spirit. He would walk in fellowship. He would live a godly life. He wouldn't compromise. He wouldn't go out and live a life of sin like, he, like I did. He wouldn't backslide. He wouldn't go out and ruin his life. He would live steadfastly for the Lord all the days of his life. His, as an adult, he would be a, a strong Christian. I, I, I made that declaration by faith. I just said it. I just said it over my son. When Greg was born, a couple of years later, I did the same thing. I took him up in my arms and I declared it. I said, but what is that? That's that, that anchor of the soul that helmet of salvation, that knowledge of what belongs to me and what my future and my family's future was going to be. It was, a, it was something that protected my mind. When, when Greg got involved with those kids in middle school with all that skateboard, that crowd, that aura that was around them that was so creepy, you know. Uh, he wasn't creepy, but he was kind of playing around with a creepy crowd. Your brother was concerned about you too. I don't know if you know that, but he, he was concerned. And uh, all during that time, I'd, I said, no, My son will always live for God. Greg will always live for God. He will always stand true. He's not going to go out and and wander out into sin and get into trouble like I did. He's never going to do that. He's going to live a godly life. That that helmet of salvation, it was protecting my mind. 
And you know what? I got what I said. Still getting what I said. I'll always have what I say. Praise the Lord. Amen. My, my, Greg and Amy aren't going to get messed up. They're not, not going to get separated and divorced. They're not going to, he and Steve, they're not going to go out and do something stupid. No, they're going to live for God. Just like they're going to, and just like they've raised their children, they'll raise those children right up, right up until into adulthood. They'll raise their grandchildren, right? Their grandchildren will live for God, just like mine are. Well, praise the Lord. See, when you have that, when you have that helmet on, the enemy, his thoughts, they just, I've said before, I, I never really, cons- I never even considered for a minute that my kids would not be saved or they wouldn't live. Now, that doesn't mean the thought never came to them. It didn't come very often because when it came, it bounced so hard and so far off of that, off of that uh, helmet. The enemy thought, well, that was a dumb thing to try to tell him. I mean, it's like the most ridiculous, crazy nonsensical thing you could even think of to put the thought in my mind that my kids might not serve God or that I might not serve God or that I might not make it or I might not run my race. Right. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, let me... Now, now, the sword of the spirits, the sixth one. Now, in verse 14, we have our waist girded with truth. That's a defensive use of the word of God. But he says... Take the helmet of salvation and, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, this is the offensive use of the Word of God. If you've got it in you, you can use it. But see, it says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That, that W-O-R-D, that word there, is translated word. It's the Greek word rhema. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God. The rhema of God is, is the word of God that's alive on the inside of you. So like I said, when I was a child, I, I read the scriptures, you know, in, 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 in the Sunday school literature. And I knew the Christian stories and the Old Testament stories. I mean, I read, but it wasn't alive. So it, wasn't, it didn't have any power. When I started getting it into me as, as a young man and started feeding on it, it became real to me. It became something that was, it was revelation knowledge. And, and, it, and, it, and I would read these truths and I, I've never forgotten them. They went off in my heart like, a, like an explosion. It's like, wow. Well, well, that's rhema. It became alive. And you couple that with putting it on your lips, start speaking. Oh, I'll tell you what, that, that's a force that's greater than any force in nature. It's greater than any physical force. It's greater than any mental force, psychological force. It's greater than anything that the enemy can, can come against you with. When you get that, when you take the sword of the spirit, you start welding that sword. You start speaking that and oh, I'll tell you what, things change. They start changing fast. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. I know I went ahead. Uh, hastily through these because I wanted to finish it out. And then number seven is not really one of the, one of the uh, weapons of our warfare, warfare, but he wraps it up like this, praying at all times in the Spirit. That's, that's what just keeps it all together, just praying in the Spirit, just keeps all, everything all polished up, all the armor is spick and span, it's all polished, it's all in its right place because when you're praying in the Spirit, you have God's wisdom, you have God's direction, you know ahead of time what's coming, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah, there's nothing like it. Praying in the Holy Ghost, glory to God. Well, let's stand, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Father. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, thank God for the weapons of our warfare that keeps us strong, causes us to win, puts us over every time. Amen, but you have to put it on. Amen. It's not just a one-time thing. And it's, and it's not always quick. It takes some effort to put on this armor. It takes, it takes some determination. It takes deciding, being serious about winning. Are you serious about winning? Are you serious about taking your place in Christ? Are you serious about your future? Or are you just sort of muddling along, just sort of singing Christian songs, generally thankful, generally you believe. That that won't carry it in the day of battle. Amen. Got to know what you know. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. The weapons of our warfare are mighty. 2 Corinthians says they're mighty, mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Everything the enemy would try to put up to defeat you, these weapons are mighty. They're not, they're not, we're not playing around. These weapons aren't, they're not playthings. They're mighty things. They're powerful things. They're, they're life-changing things. Take them and you pull down everything the enemy tries to bring up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Do you love him today? Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.